Sunday. I want to say Sunday. I probably will put this out today. But it is actually midnight. Sunday, May the 17th, May the 17th, 2020. I don't know how many days we are as far as in isolation, quarantine, bunkering down. I don't know what the hell you want to call it. Let's say it's quarantine. Like quarantine's when like you're sick. I don't think we've been quarantined. We've just been locked down. Shit sakes. So, just got done recording with Mr. Mark Bauer. Um, yeah, I, I, I was unsure of how this was gonna go with Mark. I wanted to. Um, I didn't really prepare for it. I just kind of knew that I was going to have a conversation with Mark Bauer. And he's an interesting guy. I think he, whatever, um, I wouldn't say we were like, we were like very uh, cordial to each other in high school. I didn't, I wasn't, we weren't mean to each other. We weren't like best friends. But see Mark, you say, hi Mark. What's up Mark? Like very nice guy. I feel like I was a nice guy. Hopefully I was. Um, in high school, but uh, Mark was a more kind of a he was a real button down type guy. He's real clean cut. Uh, yeah, he's a good looking guy. He's a, you know, real and soft spoken, very nice guy. And I um, I saw him, you know, kept up to him over the years. And he's uh, kind of got into I don't think it's politics, but I guess it kind of has a politic feel to it. But um, yeah, he, he actually was a journalist for many years, and then he kind of got into the game of politics. He's running for Congress, or he's, you know, he's kind of on a little bit of a hold, holding powder after coronavirus. But, yeah, um, but he's taking kind of a journey from, I think he was more of like a hardcore, not hardcore, I don't know, he can speak for that himself, but a hardcore Christian conservative, and now he's kind of... Um, I'm interested to see where his his track goes. I don't know if it's it's kind of funny. I feel like we've disagree on a lot of things, but majority into the podcast, and you'll hear it. He'll say, "Yeah, I agree." Or I, you know, like he's agreeing with me a lot in the podcast, but and we don't argue at all. We just had a conversation, and a very nice conversation. So, but uh, it got kind of deep in some spots, and there was some rants made, and um. I'm not really sure how this how this podcast went. I'm just kind of laying about. I've literally no idea how to even process it. I guess I'm maybe I'm just tired. 
lacking of uh, sleep after having power out for nearly, uh, you know, almost 20 hours yesterday or t- today, whatever. I don't even know what day it is. But, um, yeah, this is a fun conversation with Mark, and I, I, I appreciate him coming on. He's on, He has a podcast called Behind the Scene. He's doing he's doing very um interesting work especially doing some his podcast is a racial podcast that he does and mark if you don't know is a white man and he's doing a podcast with a black guy um a black man sorry i don't know what i thought but with a black man uh named brandon and it's called behind the scene and um we're gonna have to see. I haven't listened to the podcast. I listened to one part, and I don't know. I'm I'm still unsure of uh, how that podcast is gonna go. But uh, it's interesting. I think I might give it a shot. And um, he's got an interesting perspective, and in, but we'll see how it goes. But he has he has interesting thoughts on things. He actually, um, in another thread that goes in there, he actually might have contracted coronavirus as one of like the first people I ever knew that had coronavirus or possibly had coronavirus. So he has an interesting uh, story about that. And then we just get into life and philosophy. I think this is, if this is a philosophy heavy show and if I wouldn't say it's political at all, I, 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 for, I, for one really don't enjoy politics. Like we never really got into any of the things that are uh, based in politics. And there might be some parts in it, but a lot of it's based in philosophy and how we think of ourselves in the world. And this may not, I'm not going to downgrade the, the podcast because I don't, I, I, this might hit with some people and it might other people like out of no desire to listen to that. So make your choice. I think this is very interesting. I think we kind of, again, I, I didn't come prepared at all for this podcast. I just wanted to talk to Mark and we, I thought had a very interesting conversation and I was appreciative of him. And you should follow Mark on Twitter. He's at Mark Bauer. He's at, at Mark. He is the Mark Bauer. Pretty interesting. But yeah. Um, follow him on all the internets. And enjoy. Hopefully it's it's a good one. I, I thought it was fairly good. So you be the, you be the judge. So I guess we'll see. What should I play now? I guess I'll find out. Give me a second. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. What, I, and I, I've, uh, I've just been starting the podcast, and I just like it just starts. Like I don't have a, a it's low production. <laughs> it's uh, hey, sometimes that uh, that low production. That's I mean, because it takes time. It's, I don't think that's something that people understand. It takes so much time to chop something up. Like what you see when people are posting so many social media posts with clips and videos in it and just even sound bites like that takes so much time and people have full time teams who devote themselves to it. And so For sure. when I started my podcast, I was like, I don't have time to do that, but what can I do 
and that's just have raw conversation. And I think unedited, raw conversation, I don't know if that's how yours goes all the way through, but for sure. uh, That's, you know, I think that there's some value in it and just happens to be the amount of time that I can dedicate to it myself. So it's kind of what you get. Well, so so I'm going to kind of start, but if anybody wants to know, like, how I uh, got started in this, I literally was up late, late, late one night. I felt like I felt like it was late, and I go, "I might be bored. I need to start a podcast." And you sent me this link. I think you did. Yeah, you sent me this link, and I go, "All right, well, let's see how it goes." And so I started with it. I don't even know if you use it, but if you is it use, Anchor? Is Anchor? I use Anchor now. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I think I was the one who said that to you. Yeah, and I was, I was. I'm, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a really long time and need to have time and patience and everything else. But it was also, there's so much tech. I've, I tried uh, years ago to start a podcast, but there was like, you had to almost get a pot. You had to get a website, then post in there and then have that draw off your RSS feeds and, you know, just real compl- complicated shit. And that is just not where I am. Like as far as technology wise, I, I don't. I for some reason that's just as far as I can go. And Anchor, I feel like now I'm doing an ad, but <laughs> but Anchor literally just yeah, just download it and we'll throw it out there for everything. And I'm like, oh okay. Yeah. Uh, so. I thought I remembered. Uh, it must have been like ten years ago. I I think you were doing some uh youtube videos and recordings and, and things like that so. that was that was the the brad and will show or whatever we called it we we were doing right. that for, we were doing that for a little while i i and i still haven't even got will on this because he's he's so damn busy and he just had a kid but um yeah that was an, that was one of our early i think we had uh i think we had Marin morris on one time Oh, no kidding. That's how, uh, yeah, that's how big time we were. And she was an easy oh, guest to get that. Yeah. T- she was an easy guest to get that time. But that's right. Not, yeah. Not, oh, my God. Not so much anymore. I don't yeah. think. She, I, don't, I, I don't think she. Do you still it. have the video from that? I've, I've scoured the Internet. I have no idea where it is. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. I think it got lost in the Ustream ether or something, and I cannot find it for the life of me. So, oh, yeah, so if anybody good. out there has that, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Cause I, yeah, that would have been really cool. Cause I, I think it was actually a fairly decent little interview. I, I don't think anybody could hear anything, but cause you know, technically wise, we were just talking into a MacBook. So <laughs> yeah. that wasn't, that's as extensive of the, uh, the production that we had. So, you know. Yeah. Well, so, I think I remember those days and I remember them being, uh, I could, I could make it out. So, wow. Well, I, I mean, mean yeah. you think about the technology. I mean, that's we're dealing with like 2009 technology, and I was trying, you know, like do these streams or whatever. This before I was married or even had a real somewhat career. So that was just kind of messing around on the on the internet. So, well, I'm hoping that there's some good fortune when coming that comes with talking to you because uh, if that's a, you know, who knows, maybe that's what shot off Marin Morris's career. Oh that's yeah. Her, yeah. That's, you know, you look, can take credit for that. I know Mark, you, I think this is, should be just something that you should practice with, but this will not shoot you up to anything. This will be a <laughs> nice practice for you because I think you're, uh, for some people that don't know, you know, Mark is 
the running is still going, right? You are you are currently running for office. Yeah, uh, it's kind of in a holding pattern right now. Well, the, uh, I imagine it would coronavirus be. or everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of thrown a wrench into the plans. So in a holding pattern, I uh, decided to do some community-oriented things, and and I think campaigning is community-oriented, uh, but I had to put a lot of my focus into um, some community organizing. And so now that that's kind of wrapping up and things are reopening, uh, devoting more of my time back to the campaign. Um, so that's kind of where I am now. What as far as community organizing? You know, they used to be like a joke back in the day that Obama was a community organizer. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, well, the way I use it is um, just rallying people and uh, and activating people around a specific cause. And so when all this started, I knew that there was a lot of fear, you know, in my own life and the uncertainty. I'm like, man, what can I do to, to help out uh, with everything shut down? And if I'm fearful, then I know other people are, are experiencing this, the same feeling. So I created a Facebook coronavirus co-op group, uh, which is basically just a place where, you know, I would use my skill set as a journalist to disseminate news that people could trust uh, just because they, you know, on Facebook, everything's flying. You never know what's true or what you can believe. And so just a place of uh, sharing information and uh, trying to rally people together around, you know, if you have a need, share it, and maybe somebody in the group can meet that need. Uh, and so it's been a, a really cool couple of months of, of that. That's pretty interesting. Well, well, and I guess we'll kind of jump around here. You know, you were, you know, running as, you know, I'm going to get into like the, you know, you being, I always thought you were kind of conservative and more leaning towards Republican and you come out as an independent. So I guess we'll talk about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, uh, I guess you might be the only one that I know who has maybe exhibited coronavirus symptoms. Is that mm -hmm. true? Yeah. So around all this, you know, the start of all this, uh, like just as everything was shutting down, um, the woman I'm dating, she was traveling all over. She was in London. She was in LA. Uh, her and I were in DC. Then we were in Houston. Uh, and so those were a lot of the hot spots. And this was when people were still kind of un uncertain about like how real this was, how serious they should take it. And, um, and so actually speaking of Mary Morris, we were down in Houston to see her perform at the Houston rodeo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just as everything was about to pop off. And so, uh, we got back to Dallas and that, that very weekend we came back on Sunday. We were at the Houston rodeo on Saturday. We came back on Sunday and we were like, man, we're not feeling well. We drove back up to Dallas. Um, and I kind of nursed her a little bit, my girlfriend, Jenny, and she was exhibiting, you know, just some common like aches and like almost flu like symptoms. So after a couple of days, we took her to the a care now and they kind of freaked out. Uh, just because, again, it was so early on. Um, and what, she tested what, negative what, for what, flu. What date was this? Like around? Oh, goodness. It wasn't uh, like February? No, it was, it was just at the very tail, like the very early March. Okay, okay. So I'm pulling up the calendar. So uh, the Houston Rodeo was the 7th. Okay. So we went to the care now on March 11th. And she tested negative for flu, tested negative for strep. And so they started the clinic itself started freaking out. Like they told all the patients, like, 
or not all the patients, but all the, the uh, office staff to put on masks, to clean, uh, to, to begin self-quarantining if they experience their own symptoms. And then they wanted to walk her out the back and then they cleared out the waiting room. So she wasn't severe enough that warranted getting a coronavirus test. Um, but they sent her home and told her basically, you know, rest fluids, that kind of thing. And then, uh, that went on for like six weeks. Um, she, she was up and down, basically very standard coronavirus symptoms, what we know of them now. Uh, and then I had a more moderate version or a more mild version of her moderate version, whatever she had. So I was able to, to, uh, to take care of her and, and take care of myself, but it was, man, if that was a mild version, that was, that was pretty brutal. Did you, so with the mild version, you have it, you know, a fever and, or what, what, what exactly was a mild case of what we think is coronavirus or. Yeah. We, we, I would love to, I would love to be able to get an antibody test just to, to confirm, but she had low grade fever uh, early on. She had aches, but those kind of subsided, but she had a dry cough. I had a little bit of a cough. Uh, mm. but the biggest thing was it just knocked us both on our butts. Like she, if you look at her activity for like six weeks straight out of her iPhone, it yeah. just shows her like not getting out of bed for like two or three weeks. And then she would gradually get out of bed a little bit more and walk around and, uh, and almost kind of a little bit like pneumonia, like she's prone to pneumonia herself. And so that was something we were checking to, um, you know, at one point her legs were chilly and I know that that's, uh, kind of a pneumonia, uh, pneumonia type symptom. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was just, it was kind of a crazy time where she was also having trouble breathing, just getting up and, you know, going to take a shower or something. And so, uh, just because we were, it was so early on in all this, we were kind of playing like catch up or learning all these things as they were developing. Uh, and so, you know, if we knew now what we knew then, uh, I don't know if we would do anything differently, but just as news was coming out and people were like, this is kind of what you were experiencing. We're like, yep, check the box. That's exactly kind of how we felt. Mm. And so we would think she would get better. And then, you know, cause most of the time if you get sick, you, you begin to feel well in a, you know, it's almost linear. Uh, you're just every day you're feeling a little bit better. Uh, but each day, you know, she would think, Oh, I'm progressing. And then, uh, you know, it would be two steps back and she would be back in bed for like three days, just knocked out. And so I was experiencing almost, you know, day by day, the same thing, just in a much more wild, mild version. And, uh, so it was pretty wild. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just like, I can't imagine a more severe version just because that knocked us both out. So, so much. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the way you tell it, I don't know. If, I mean, I guess an antibody test would be more beneficial because who the hell knows? I mean, but mm -hmm. yeah, that, that would be nice to even know if that was what it was and with the travel and everything. But mm -hmm. so, but with you doing that group for coronavirus, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, I'm not saying I'm like fully flirting with this is a super hoax thing, but I've, I am uh probably signed on with we're overreacting and we probably need to figure out a way to to protect the protect the weak and and vulnerable and the other parts need to get back to work because mm -hmm. yeah I, I 
what what side would you be on? I guess, or if I'm acting crazy, because I, I feel like uh, we might actually degree, disagree a lot, and I actually don't mind that. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of early on, I I thought it was interesting. I think it was the Sweden, uh, definitely a Nordic country, uh, and it's hard to compare apples, you know, to apples because they're such smaller countries. You know, they flirt with more like the size of a, one of our individual states, but uh, they were going with just real strict social distancing guidelines in terms of like, we're going to stay open, but you wear your mask and you, you only go out really what you think is necessary. Uh, and if you do go to a store, then maintain six feet distance between you and someone else. And so I'm, I'm the type of person who I like that kind of aggressiveness where you're kind of toeing the line in a way that, um, is very diplomatic, if you will. Uh, you know, and that's what my whole campaign is about as an independent too. That's just kind of my nature. And, uh, and so I like that approach. I think that early on, I think it is necessary just when you don't really know what you're dealing with. You know, if, if you're overly cautious, I, I really don't mind that either, especially if you're in a more dense city. Like, like you saw that with Dallas. Dallas was a lot more strict than, you know, some of the surrounding counties might be like your county. You mentioned you're in Parker County. Uh, Dallas would probably have to implement a lot more stricter guidelines to prevent the spread than you would where you are. But like, uh, don't you agree with that? Like, that's probably how it should be, right? Like, where it's a you kind of, I mean, out here in Parker County, you go out to the stores, everyone's pretty fairly, everyone's, you know, I would say fifty to seventy-five percent are wearing masks, which I feel pretty good with. Like, I don't know if that's for you, if if you want everybody wearing a mask, but everyone pretty much stays away from each other and people are wearing, and a lot of people are wearing masks. And yeah. where I think if you're in Dallas, where everything is on top of each other and, you know, we have 25 cases. Let me look at Dallas. They have 6,123. Kind of a, kind of a little bit different, you know? So I, I think there's, it's, it's can't be a one size fit all fits all type of situation. And I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess, with you being independent, are you trying to go in a more pragmatic sensibility type thing, or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think that just because we live in such a polarized, hyper-polarized society, everything gets politicized to a degree that I don't even think is necessary. But one of the things that I did see in the group was so many people early on because governor Abbott didn't want to issue statewide orders, which, which I agree with, mm -hmm. but so many people wanted him to, because, you know, while Dallas County was issuing these strict standards, Tarrant County was a little slow to follow. And then, you know, Denton counties. And I, I can't remember what specific counties around those. Like Collin County uh, and uh, whatever the, yeah. what is that McKinney is where, uh, right. where, yeah. So yeah, a lot of those ones were kind of a little bit more hesitant to, to follow mm -hmm. their, yeah. And so people who lived in those counties wanted Governor Abbott to issue stricter guidelines and he wouldn't. And I and I kind of agreed with that. And that's kind of my whole approach is that, you know, the the way this whole thing is, is designed is a feature and it's not a flaw. And so, you know, uh, if you have government power situated at the top, then, you know, you're you're really going to stymie uh, the way that you would live differently. Uh, compared to a Dallas County resident, and uh, and I think that that that's a feature. And then you saw people complaining that um, once you did begin issuing statewide orders, 
saying that um, you know we're we're going to reopen. That's when you saw people <laughs> say, like, kind of cursing his name. And so yeah. you can't have it both ways. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's that's kind of the whole thing about it. It's like, well, he did it, and and you know, it's. I hate to be. I don't like being like. I feel like conspiratorial in some of these parts. I'm like, I like. Are we really just trying to? There's some parts where I don't think people are actually being serious with this thing that it's just a you know we need to be extra cautious with this because of reasons and not because of actual you know facts and and things that are going on the ground like okay well i don't understand why we got to treat parker county like we do with new york city that's not reasonable so let's you know that's almost why i feel like decentralization seems to be the only thing to come out of this is yeah we truly truly need to not have one size fits all and just okay new york city you take care of yourself and everyone else takes care of themselves and not swear we're just one you know if you notice there's cdc guidelines and with guidelines it's not cdc laws they don't have that it's just cdc guidelines you go by the guidelines and people kind of scream, oh, they're not going by guidelines. I was like, it's a guideline. That's what it is. That's what it says in there. Mm-hmm. It's not what you're supposed to do. It's supposed to, you know, it's it's something to go by. And if you don't, you just hope that enough people do that the other people don't get sick from that. And the other ones that do get sick, it's very minimal, if that makes sense. But yeah, not enough to where it's stymie everything else, Yeah, like you said. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that the the interesting thing about pandemics is I saw this, somebody say this on Twitter, is that it proves your pre-existing worldview. And I, I've always thought that, you know, since I saw that, that was early March, I, I thought that was interesting. And I've tried to kind of parse everything that I've seen through that. And even in my own life, you know, I've wanted to be weary of, you know, for, uh, it's a it's an oversight quote by Lincoln, I think, it's attributed to him that, a man with a, a hammer, every problem is a nail. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, in my life, I, I'm very much a federalist kind of guy where I think, you know, the, the federal government has a certain specific role that it plays, and then the states have a role, and then dwindles down to your city council or your county government. And that's where you can affect the most change, uh, just because it's going to impact you the most. And so, you know, as much gnashing of teeth as we see in the national level over the national politics, uh, you know, go to your city council meeting. And that's where, you know, if you, if you don't like something, uh, you're going to be able to see the, the most immediate impact. And, uh, and so I think that it's kind of proven that more so. And that's one of the things that I'm eager to talk about as the campaign goes on is, uh, is I think that this proves more of a kind of a libertarian conservative model. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, liberal policies I, I have no line with a lot of those uh but when it comes to government i'm very much still limiting government uh as much as possible just get out of people's way and let them self-govern you know what line i like better and this is actually pretty hold on is this the right one okay uh you know harry brown i think he was uh i think he ran for a libertarian president back in the like the 90s or 80s or something and his his quote was and this thing got in my way uh, the government is good at one thing. It knows how to break your legs and then hand you a crutch and say, see, if it weren't for the government, you wouldn't be able to, ha- you wouldn't be able to walk. Which, yeah. Have you heard yeah. that one? 
No, I haven't, but right. I, that's going to be a new favorite that I'm going to adopt. Yeah, that one's really – well, It's it's. I've seen the heard the shorter version where you go, you know, government breaks your legs and hands you a crutch and says, you know, aren't you glad I'm here type of thing. It's it's That's what they're doing right now, going, hey, you can't go to work. And it's like, okay, well, I, I got to eat. Well, you can't – I don't care. You can't – like, all right, well, thanks. <laughs> well, I don't really know what – so when some of these outbursts from the public has come out, I guess you don't shouldn't be like super shocked when these type of things happen. I mean, everything is, you know, I was even when this first happened, I said, everyone, let's pause. Like hit, that was almost like I was Zach Morris going time out. Like, let's ah. let's just completely stop. Let's figure out what the hell's going on. And as the more information is rolled out, that's what's. You know, they come out with models, you know, and projections and stuff like that with almost no information. And they put it in and go, oh, two million people are going to die. And I'm like, holy shit, what the hell's going on? And then as more information comes in, he goes, ah, you know what? Um, turns out this is pretty bad, but it's also very, very contagious. And also the death rate's pretty low. Does that make sense? <laughs> so... You know, at least yeah. that's what at least what that's what I'm gathering from. I don't know if you are as well, but that's what I'm gathering from. From the yeah, day. it's um, it's one of the things where it's we'll never know how bad it could have been because of the measures that we took. And you know, so people who enacted the strict measures are going to say, "See, like it was a success. We never reached the peak. Uh, our, our hospitals weren't overrun. Our death rate was low." Uh, and so the, it's going to almost be kind of a confirmation. I don't want to say confirmation bias because I, I, I do kind of tend to the side of stricter guidelines, especially earlier on. And I kind of am a fan now of, uh, you know, things opening up. I, my initial prediction, and I wish I would have tweeted this, I maybe posted it somewhere, was that we kind of would see after two months, which is where we are about now, I think 53 days was yesterday, uh, things are going to slowly reopen. And that's what we saw in China uh, in uh, when that outbreak occurred. And, uh, you know, they saw some flare-ups afterward. So I think if we, you know, reopen in a way that's very smart and continue to, with public campaign measures uh, and uh, education, you know, continue to practice good hygiene. Like, I'm still a proponent of those things. Like, I don't think that those things can hurt by any means. And so, so. that's kind of... <laughs> that, I, I would say that's where I am. You know, yeah. like what what is it going to hurt if you're in Bucky's and you put on a mask? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, but uh, I would almost be like, all right, I go into Bucky's and everybody, oh, a majority of people have masks. I think I'll be all right. Like, and then people mm -hmm. should be okay with that. And you know what? Mm -hmm. If you have a mask on and you see someone with no mask on, stay away, stay far, far away. You know, I, I just think there becomes in life, there's always risk in life. And you can go, well, I don't ever want to die. Then just stay in your house and you'll never die. I don't know. But you probably will, will starve. But, you know, but just never leave. Okay, well, what what kind of quality of life is that? And after a while it becomes like, okay, we've we've got to move on. And we've, you know, it's it's incredibly sad until we figure out what's going on with this. I mean, I have grandparents. I have a grandparent and I can't really go physically see them, you know, close up like I used to, before, you know, prior to this. So we, we all have to make changes on this. It's, it stinks, but 
I know that the real bad changes are, you know, death and despair. And I don't think that's where I want to go from that. So I don't yeah. know. That's just me. I don't know. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that sentiment is true across uh, a lot of people. I, I know that, you know, for me and Jenny, we, we, what we think was coronavirus, we had that early on, like from the, from the jump. And so from a very early place starting point we were like okay this is like if this was a moderate version this sucks and jenny actually she knows i don't know if you've seen uh the national news about a uh, a performer she, uh who was on broadway he came down with it he had to have a leg amputated he was almost in a coma uh and he's still like just coming out of this and maybe like he has eye movement uh and that's all from coronavirus and so I think, you know, it's different for us because we we have had a different perspective from very early on. And so we're not, you know, even now we're kind of hoping that maybe that was it. And maybe we do have antibodies and we won't be able to contract it again, you know, at least for a couple of years until there's a vaccine. And then having people that she knows so closely have had it in such a severe way, I think that that's kind of informed how we view it and so it's a blessing and a curse because i don't have the same viewpoint necessarily that other people have where i'm you know if you haven't had it or especially if you don't know anybody who's had it then your your perspective is probably going to be a little bit more loose uh but that's why i continue to walk try to walk that pragmatic route where you know i understand that um people's perspective is their reality and uh, and I don't think that we should denigrate anyone else's reality uh, just because your perspective happens to be different. So, you know, fine to disagree. Uh, but when you begin to politicize it, especially, that's where I'm like, OK, uh, I think we should pump the brakes here and, you know, understand uh, people's differences of opinion. What do, what do you think your background is? I mean, I know you, you know, you you were your background's in like journalism, but I mean, what is your, like your philosoph- philosophic background and, and how, what you believe in what you believe in? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's always been a core, like it's, it's grown and it's shaped and it's been chiseled. Uh, but it's still very much like I, I grew up Christian conservative, uh, in Arlington, Texas. And, you know, you grew up there, so you understand what it's, what it's like. And honestly, I don't know if growing up between Dallas and Fort Worth, uh, and, uh, a conservative and, uh, liberal counties, cities, I don't like, I think that is kind of symbolic of how I, I feel like I grew up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you, you mentioned I'm a journalist and I became a journalist partly because I saw how internet was disrupting my dad's livelihood. He was a phone book artist, graphic artist. And, uh, you know, with internet that really disrupted the phone book company. Um, and so I was like, wow, what is this internet? What is this like tool that is so disruptive, but it's also at the same time powerful. I, I'm, I want to know more about that. And I've always been interested in community connection and, and, uh, and, being a part of building community. And so journalism was just an outlet for that. And, um, and so running for Congress is a continuation of that. And, um, 
so, so I don't know. Like, I guess I would frame my worldview as um, conservative for sure. I grew up Republican, not a Republican anymore, but very much just kind of let people leave people alone. And the more you try to control them and tell them what they can or cannot do, the more that they're going to aggressively push back against that. And I don't think that it's constructive, but I think that both parties right now are, um, are trying to, they're bringing a bigger and bigger stick to the fight. And I'm like, no, we need smaller sticks. (laughs) And I think as a journalist, uh, especially that kind of informs my perspective even more because I'm talking to people from myriads of perspectives and I'm saying, man, you, you are both looking at the same issue, but you're both coming from different perspectives and that doesn't change the reality of the situation, but I can see the truth in both of your perspectives. And, um, and so I got tired of, uh, the polarization and wanted to see if I could inject, um, some pragmatism to the conversation. We, I think I say you say that, but as far as your, um, you know, people wanting to be, oh, what was it? Was it? What did you say? Like wanting to be left alone or or not be ruled? I mean, I would actually say during this, it's actually kind of changed my perspective. Where people are, I thought were going to be more like that. Like they would, they would be cool a little bit with, um, okay, I'll I'll be locked, you know. I'll be locked down for a little bit and then they would eventually revolt. And that's happened, but that's also been a little bit of why aren't the, why aren't the tanks running down the street right now? What's going on? Everybody is, if you're not wearing a mask right now, you should be arrested. And and those type of things have happened. And I'm kind of been looking around going, is everyone else seeing this? Like what, what is happening? I, I, I think the, those type of things have actually kind of opened my eyes because, um, you know, with talking with Will, who's a very, you know, I think what you, I think you also said something about kind of confirming your, your, uh, what, what did you say? Uh, how you confirming thought. Confirming your pre-existing worldview. Yeah, it, it kind of is. And, you know, he was like, man, I'm really, um, I, you know, I, I think after this, you know, we've definitely got to have, you know, universal health care and we've got to have, you know, you know, you know, all, you know, U- UBI and all these other things. And I go, well, that's weird because I've got like the exact opposite. Like I'm looking at this and going, wow, we need less of this type of like not so much. I mean, not so much talking about full on UBI, but I mean, like we see a lot of the issues that we've been having is just more government intervention and more like um, I kind of talk about China. I didn't think that their response was real great because they were like, we can't be the, we can't be the country that just, you know, unleashed the coronavirus on everybody. Oh my God. And they didn't fully tell us right away going, guys, y'all need to run away. And this is, this is going to be very, very bad for everyone. And they kind of held it off and then kept everyone traveling freely, which I thought was just nuts. So, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if that's something you agree with or, I mean, but I, I could see how you were saying that. Like, I've almost, I'm seeing more of a liberty movement going towards this because of what is happening right now. But obviously, everyone's kind of confirming whatever they kind of originally thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up because I've seen the same things said about UBI and how we're just, we want to reopen because we can't. 
have any kind of sniff of a socialistic government with, you know, the stimulus checks and, and everything. And, you know, my thought is, um, <laughs> like, I don't know, this is de- kind of devastating for the economy to, uh, to be handing out stimulus checks like we have been. And that's just for three months. Like that's just one round of checks, and uh, and yeah, people want to do that for. That's like for not even the worst part, though. The checks part is like, yeah. okay, go look at if you put it on a pie chart, and it's like, uh, what ten less than ten percent of the actual bill, and then they hand out everything else off to the uh, to uh, Wall Street and banks and stuff like. Mm-hmm. It goes, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, we could all get plenty of checks. But they're going to hand it mm-hmm. out to the real people that matter because that's where, mm-hmm. you know, I know we vote and we matter, but we don't. We don't have any type of influence and, and you know, helping funding elections and stuff like that. That's what the main people who are out there in D.C. worry about is, well, if I don't give them money, then they're definitely not giving me money later. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. it's just a never ending circle. And then we're like, why don't they care about us? Because we don't matter. <laughs> like yeah. we don't matter at all. So, well, and you bring up another interesting point is that this is all happening happening during an election year, and so mm. you know uh, if there's a liberty bent, then Trump's going to play that up. If he sees it as you know conservative base, which happens to be very rural, you know, and very understandably doesn't want strict guidelines placed on them. They don't, you know, uh, you know, if you live in Parker County, you can still wear a mask, but you can maybe still go to work because you're not the spread of infection isn't going to be as great as it will be in a densely populated city. And so, uh, you know, you're seeing, you are seeing that divide. And, and I think also this was one of the things that frustrated me too, was when they were discussing the stimulus checks in the first place, Republicans raised the concern that, Hey, people are going to get these checks and the government welfare they're going to receive is greater than what they would normally earn during a, you know, a, a, a part-time job at a grocery store, they're not going to be incentivized to go to work if they're getting these checks. And people poo-pooed that, and they said that it was overblown and it was coming from a heartless Republican. I don't know if that disrupted things. Yeah, I just lost you, but yeah, I I lost you at that one point. Um, And it just came out this week that uh, that's exactly what's happening is that people are receiving more government aid than they would have made in their normal jobs. And so they have no incentive to go back to work when they're making more by not working. And so I think that there's a both and approach uh, to some of these things. I've, I've softened a little bit on the healthcare uh, myself personally during, you know, 10 years ago when that healthcare debate was first ongoing with Obamacare under president Obama I was very much, uh, you know, don't force medicine down our throats kind of deal. Mm. Uh, but now I do see uh, the importance of it. I don't know that it would be should be a federally mandated portal uh, where people are paying into it. I think uh, what Romney had, Mitt Romney had as, uh, as governor of Massachusetts might have been kind of a, a good model for wherever he was. And again, that's more federalism coming into play where whatever state or municipality you are in, there are ways that you can do things that will benefit the constituents of that location uh, that don't have to be uh, mandated across the entire country. Cause that's a very difficult, that's very difficult to do in, in the United States. I don't know if you've ever gone in the government uh, open market or whatever the heck that is. You might think a little bit differently about that. 
because it's, oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's yeah it's been so bad i'm i'm i i understand in a sense of what you're saying but it's like in practice um I'm like hey we're gonna give everyone free and not free health care a chance for health care and then you pay in and a bunch of premiums and every you know and then you're like why the hell why is this better it's it's I, I'm I'm I've lost pretty much any um, any confidence that I had that the government could run any type of healthcare program. I've pretty much lost it in this because it doesn't matter if it's okay. It's the Obamacare. I'm you know you look at him and he's you know he seems pretty confident. Couldn't even get the damn website going. And then you know I've worked the website and it's a colossal nightmare. You know, I have a family four, and I was going through it. You know, and I, it's it's not fun, and not fun paying for either. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's one we probably really need to go back to the drawing board on. I really feel like we need to venture on all different, and that's that's what's kind of fun about this. Oh, you know, the United States kind of uh, experiment. Like, why don't we have that? Go have your little Romney thing up in Massachusetts. And then, hey, Texas, you want to have like Wild West healthcare? Go for it. Why? Why wouldn't we just try that? Yeah, let, let it's no, a little I, bit more federalism. Federalism, right there. Yeah, no, I think that that's the beauty of uh, the United States. I think again, it's a it's a feature, not a flaw. And uh, and so I think, but it requires leaders, like you mentioned earlier, uh, a minute ago, how. You know, it's like these people aren't going to vote for us. We don't give them anything. And so if that's become the way to win elections, then you're going to promise the world uh, to <laughs> to people. Uh, uh, it's much more difficult for someone, a leader, to say, hey, you know, we can't do this. I know you want it, and I know this is hard to hear. I can't deliver that for you. You should be beating down the doors of your city hall. You should be beating down the doors of your county representatives, uh, of your governor's. Uh, and more your state representatives because that's where you're going to see real change. But it's not as sexy. It's not as sexy as uh, the you know congressional leaders who are going on CNN and getting in uh, in you know stick measuring competitions with with other congressional leaders. And uh, and so I think that that's a lot of where my grief is too is um, where that's how, become how it, you win an election. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like we're we're going into the weeds a little bit on the. I I never wanted this to be like a super politics show, but I guess we kind of just did that. But I mean, I don't know. I just I just really, I'm sick of almost talking about coronavirus, and I feel like everyone's sick of talking about coronavirus, and and this is what is kind of happening around the country is just everyone's tired okay we've we've found the bottom of netflix and we can't we don't have any other shows to watch and it's like oh my god like and i i feel like everybody there's something about yeah government can give you a check and and help you out for a little bit but what they can't do is give you self-worth in life and that's what i i i guess you feel like I know you might hate your job, but at least you feel like you're doing something in life and you're getting paid for it. And yeah, your boss is a dick, but you're still at least getting something out of it. 
where we, you're getting a check and you're just sitting there and there's really no hope or, you know, there's, it can be a very, very dark place that people yeah. can go with all this. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like a pretty um, strong minded person, but I know that there are much weaker minded people than me. And I, uh, I don't say I worry about them because I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, I can't worry about everyone, but if there's someone to worry about, those type of people would be it. And I feel like people aren't really talking about that to just go, Oh man, just, you know, I hear, you know, I, I actually like that show, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I see Larry David going, Hey, you know, stay inside. It's going to be fine. Watch some TV. And I'm like, you're a billionaire. Okay, that's not the world. You can't just go sit around and watch TV and feel fulfilled in life and go, yeah, man. That, ah, well, at least I got my check and you know I'm I'm feeling good and you know I I know I don't have a job or any type of prospects at all and yeah I know my wife left me a few years ago and I you know I don't really have any I can't really go out and date because there's no way to go date right now and it, uh, I guess I am pretty I haven't had a kid oh gosh you know it's it's just everything goes down and down and down and you know I think they've they've said that you know domestic dis, you know dispute uh, uh d- domestic assaults or something like that has gone up and child abuse and everything through this it's kind of crazy to kind of see like there can be some really bad spots with this where all right i i know we need to really ramp up like if you were sick you can stay the hell home and stay away from the people that you love too we got to figure out a way to do that too like they're we're finding out people in the house are getting sick because we're all just staying in the house and if you actually get sick you need to isolate from everyone and yeah yeah i mean and the other people we they need to go out i mean you can't be healthy sitting in your house you know watching netflix all day just know what to be so oh man how how much time you got and how how philosophical do you want to get because this is you know not only does coronavirus expose problems with you know government philosophies but it also exposes our own our own individual brokenness and that is that's so real that's that's a, an issue I keep, i'm passionate about as well because uh when people are confronted with rock bottom and this for many people across the country at the same time simultaneously experiencing rock bottom uh one I, that can also be kind of a comforting place to be when you know that other people are in the same situation as you uh, but our lives have been so comfortable uh, you know comparatively to mm-hmm. like like our most, you know, there are, don't get me wrong, there are people who suffer in our society, but, you know, we, we live in a pretty comfortable world. Uh, and I don't know that we have been taught how to deal with that discomfort. And so, you know, everything that we have in our lives, I don't want to sound too woo woo, but, you know, the Netflix, the, the Spotify, the, the internet, the constant scrolling on social media, that all kind of, uh, dampens or glosses over something that we don't want to confront in ourselves. And, uh, you know, I grew up Christian. And so this is kind of language that is familiar with me because, you know, Christianity is a spiritual, uh, religion, uh, walked away from it myself for a few years, 
um, Georgia stopped practicing and, and engaging in it. But then I realized that there was kind of a hole that was left in that. And a big, that was a big part of it was not knowing how to kind of confront those demons uh, when I myself went hit rock bottom or what I thought, what I thought was rock bottom. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, we kind of numb ourselves with how good things are and we don't, we haven't been taught with how to confront those things. Well, I think that's, that's really true. I mean, we have a kind of a theme around this show, at least I, I've, I've, it's an unofficial theme, but taking care of your mentals, as we say at this, sh- on this show is highly important and it's it's and i think you're right on that point i I, and i mean i we don't i guess we're not a we're not a christian conservative uh podcast but we're damn close but i I think we uh you need to fill your something fill something in your life if it's if it's not the bible if it's not or you know what name your religion if it but it's got to be something more you know if you have children and, and, you know, I've, I've actually had to do this is, you know, I'm, I'm more into her schooling, you know, like I've more, more into her schooling than I ever have been more, you know, and then it's kind of almost been a reteaching though. Cause, uh, they're like, uh, she, she was in world war two and, uh, the great depression era and they're just really up talking, uh, FDR and I've had to go, okay, mm-hmm. Yeah, FDR. Yeah, they say this stuff about them. Uh, let me let me actually tell you what happened. This is what they want you to do. <laughs> so, yeah, you've really got to fill yourself up with some real stuff because a lot of that stuff is, is good for a little bit. But you've, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say much more on that. But yeah, I I think that was really good what you said. Like, I, I'm not I'm not a hugely. Uh, religious guy but i think i've I've become more um let me think I, like i don't know how deep i want to get into this because it's never been like a big thing i wanted to get in with like religion or stuff like that because i i did run through a kind of a phase you know and and through high school and and you know not not but just a few years ago i kind of go you know what um i don't think i like that anymore you know, like not, it's almost being a, uh, um, it's not so much atheist. It's, it's, you know, you don't know that, you know, um, what is the other word? I'm sorry. <laughs> Blake on the word, but, um, agnostic. I, yeah, more agnostic, but regardless what it is, is you're without God, which is atheist. And, and then you're kind of like, you know what? I don't think that's the best way to go. And I don't think you know, I think there are obviously those other people that give Christians a really bad name, and that stinks because I I think even I was um, more harsh on some of those. Oh, you don't live the full Christian life, so you're kind of a hypocrite. And it's like, well, I, I, that's just unfair at times. You know, I think that's 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 not a fair uh, assessment of of really who these people are. And I think I've I've kind of softened a lot of my stance on on kind of religion i go you know what um i now see what happens where the mass population lives without god or you know goes more towards atheism they go towards uh instead of 
praying towards the gods. They pray towards the government. <laughs> and that can be even worse than any type of religion that you've ever... It's religion of the state now. And that's that can be even worse. <laughs> so... Yeah, they've uh, they replaced priests with uh, academic professors. Oh my God, it, it's it, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say oh my God, but you know, it's just, you know, <laughs> but uh, that's that's really what it is. And I'm go, you know, yeah, that's, that's the priest. You know, they they are the academic. That that's really great. I've never thought about it like that. <laughs> that yeah. they just kind of, you know, I saw father, you know, professor, father or professor is just kind of interchangeable. So you can kind of, you know, oh, what did what did Father whoever say? What did they talk about today? You know, that's oh man, that's funny. Well, well, what a wild, wild world we live in, Mark. So, well, uh, so let me. So you do have a little podcast yourself. So you are a competitor. So what's going on with that? Yep. Yeah, but my uh, my topic is a little more niche than, <laughs> than more another niche. podcast. Yeah, we'll tell me what uh, it's about. Our, our podcast is uh, is talking about racial bias, and so that's uh, that's another hot topic. I don't know if you can sense you, a theme, but I just you are to... you are a very dangerous person. That why I don't know why you would ever go by that. All right, yeah. So I love talking about race and politics and religion, just like those are great things to talk about at the dinner table like wow um, those, yeah those are just not controversial at all There's nothing nothing yeah, bad could ever yeah. happen there yeah everybody agrees right oh, I mean, come on. uh yeah. but so the racial conversation was uh and this is you know part of my background went to school in in arlington where i grew up at ut arlington uh for journalism um very community oriented early on i wanted to be a police officer because then you know when i was 10 i thought man that was like the epitome of like what you could do for your community mm-hmm. and uh and so just as i've grown my worldview has you know grown as well and i've always had an interest in politics and dc was one of those interests that i had as a city i wanted to live in and i, and I did for a couple of years uh in 2017 i moved out there and this was right around you know this was post obama this is trump make america great again slogan uh, and there's a lot of racial conversations occurring. And part of my evolution was realizing because I was, I was actually engaged at one point, engagement failed. Uh, and that's where I've, you know, felt like I was at my rock bottom, uh, late 2016. And I was like, man, like, where do I go from here? And I, I kind of put all my eggs in one basket. I, I elevated that relationship to a point where I shouldn't have, you know, if you talk about diversifying revenue for a business, I wasn't diversifying the things that brought me joy. And so when that terminated, I kind of was at rock bottom and I was like, man, where, where can I go? Like, what can I do? What are the things that I've wanted to do that bring me joy? And I, I began to seek those things out. And, uh, but I also sought counseling after that, you know, before the relationship ended, uh, we wanted to try to preserve the relationship, and so I sought out counseling with her, and we, we did our own individual counseling. And I, I learned a lot about, you know, interpersonal relationships and how, you know, if you're married, you're married now, so you, you probably mm-hmm. know this very well. Uh, there's differences of opinion, and uh, just like we've talked about perspectives, your wife probably has a perspective on an issue that you have a different one on. And uh, one of those 
things that I discovered was that um, as much as I thought she was contributing to the problems in the relationship, if I just kind of dealt with the things that were making me unhappy, uh, if I just dealt with myself really and, and confronted those things that, you know, I was running from, I might have, I found that I was putting too much of the blame on her. And that once I started dealing with my own unhappiness, those issues kind of dissolved and nothing about our lives changed, but except for the things that I was doing. So no circumstances changed, but my worldview was, was that much more optimistic and hopeful and I was more happy. And, but I also realized that I was getting things wrong uh, about the relationship. I was bringing in assumptions to them and, you know, just based on things that were modeled to me growing up and, you know, my, my parents own relationship. And so when I applied that, you know, the conflict that I saw in our, in our individual relationship, our one-on-one relationship, I began to realize that some of the conflict that I saw in the world was the same, just on a macro scale. And if we could take these same lessons that I, I was learning in counseling and apply them on a macro scale, then I, I think we would be better off. And so part of that was uh, engaging. Both parties had to engage in the conversation and both parties had to, uh, especially the one party who was more guilty of a wrong had to kind of own up to that. And so that's where, you know, after I moved to DC in early 2017, that was around the time, I believe of, uh, the Charlottesville riot. Uh, I think that was Charlottesville. Um, and you know, somebody died. I was like, man, we are, and that was shortly too after, uh, somebody tried to assassinate Republican congressional members on the practice baseball field. I was like, man, things are really just escalating. What is my, like, what is my role in this? What can I contribute? And so I looked at my tool bag and, you know, my, my skill set as a journalist was bringing people together and understanding different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so I figured, you know, with, with a podcast, which was very difficult, like you mentioned 10 years ago to do, uh, was very uh, a lot more easy these days, and so oh, yeah, uh, sure. I was introduced to uh, a mutual friend. I, you know, I'm expressing these things to her, and she uh, she eventually introduced me to my co-host, who had similar feelings. He's a black man, and and so that's what we do is we just sit down and we kind of have these raw conversations. You know, from his perspective as a black man and my perspective as a white person, and we understand we aren't representative of either side, but hopefully through our conversations, we can demonstrate how to have constructive dialogue. Uh, and also that, you know, for people to get a glimpse into the other side where they might not have that opportunity otherwise. You know, I think that's a fascinating, um, a fascinating perspective because I've actually, you know, I have a lot of these, um, I have a lot, you know, we the school that you and me both went to is one of the most, I would say, you know, versatile or, you know, I say, you want to say diversify and, you know, the mm -hmm. diverse schools that you could go to because it's just, everybody went there. It, it does. It was, you know, tons of white, tons of black, tons of every other uh, race, religion, anything that you could think of all went into that school. Where it's not, you know, like more out here where my where my daughter is going to go to school, it might be steering a little bit more. You know, we're a little more rural, so she's going to live a different perspective in that. But it really is she possibly could wait, you know, grow grow up and 
not really have that perspective of someone else. So, and I, I wish, and I don't know how your podcast is going to go. And if you and this other guy, uh, what's his name? Brent, is his name Brandon? Brandon. Yeah. If you and Brandon are going to have real honest conversations or if it's going to be, uh, kind of, uh, everyone's kind of talking around each other and no one's really, I, I feel like there's got to be somewhere we can kind of connect on some of these things where I feel like I'm just talking over here and you're talking over here and we're just, nothing really is getting solved. I think we're all just kind of yelling at each other into the ether. Yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of anger, and I, you know, this was something I was actually mulling over the last couple of days. It's just I've seen more and more anger expressed, and it's not my natural uh, disposition. Uh, you know, I'm very much a peacemaker, so I, I try whenever I don't have a natural inclination towards something. I want to understand why people are angry, but I think a lot of the anger that I see right now is more demonstrative, and it's virtue signaling that, hey, I'm on your same team. Uh, and it's the coalition build, and it's not really meant to get to the truth of the matter, which is what I want to see out of anger. If you're going to be angry, you better show me something new. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to be dramatic. And so that is something that I, I hope that comes out of this podcast is, one, I'm, I'm saying things on this podcast that I probably, like if I had an agent, they would probably advise me to say just because in this very politicized environment – well, I think if you're going to do context. yeah, well, I think if you're going to do anything, I would probably say it more than like I feel like if like writing something down, like if you said something on Twitter, if you wrote some article, that would be picked apart, but with audio, some people can't really I guess they could splice it up, but it's a little harder, I guess. So, I think it will be yeah. interesting to see if there is an actual conversation that you and you and your co-host can have and I mean, I don't think we're going to solve like racial uh, problems or anything like that, but I think it's conducive to have because I've tried to open up that door to some of uh, some of my former, you know, it's not something where it's like, I love these people. I grew up with these. I mean, there's people that I grew up with for years, but there's not always that opening where I have this conversation. I want to have this conversation about this topic. Like I have no desire because I feel like, I want to still be, you know, I still want to be friends with them, but I don't know how anything will ever, uh, what if something gets construed and then, oh, well now we're not friends anymore. Like I still love these people and I want to be friends with them, but there's gotta be a way where you have these open conversations and still just be able to be peaceful about it all, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, uh, and it sounds weird, you know, for a guy who started a podcast, uh, as I was planning the podcast you know i met my co-host november 2017 i think it was almost a year like nine months later that we actually launched and most of it you know the the technical aspect was easy to you know come up with but it was trying to understand as a white guy like what is my voice in this and honestly what what i learned was that my voice in this was really to kind of listen to spend those nine months saying hey i'm not going to speak to the issue and that's still kind of my posture is, hey, like, I, I'm listening. I'm demonstrating that I, I I look like the type of people that you have an issue with and who have done horrific things in the history of America. But me as myself, Mark Bauer, uh, I'm listening and I'm saying yes. And I'm saying, well, maybe not that as much, but yes to this. 
And when you say yes, and when you can verbalize, you know, the wrongs that you've done and, and own up to them, and, and maybe you personally, or maybe just acknowledge the historical wrongs, that generates a lot of trust. And so, yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, yeah, that's been tough, dude. I don't know how the hell you're doing that. That's that's something I would steer far, far away from, and I'll never touch that. Because I just, I, I just don't feel, I don't feel remotely comfortable with anything like that. Because I feel like in this, in this atmosphere right now, there's no way anyone can have any type of honest conversation without having somebody be, you know, uh, the new. I mean, I hate to bring this up, but I had this uh, friend on Twitter who was, uh, they were having just an honest conversation about some. It was, it was about like redlining or something, and I don't really even understand redlining, but regardless, someone had a opposing uh, opinion on it. And then the conversation didn't go anywhere where we are arguing facts or anything like that. The one guy just kind of looked at him and goes, yeah, you know, I'm not really listening because you're a racist. And I go, well, I guess this conversation is probably over. They're not going to talk anymore. And I go, I mean, it wasn't anything where anything was racist ever said. And I don't think the person that was called a racist was ever racist to anyone on Twitter or at least I've never seen it. So I kind of was like, well, how is this a conducive way of talking where if we, if we continue to like talk to each other and I know you want to listen and I get that, but there's also things where there's these uncomfortable truths that, you know, I listened to this guy, Camille, uh, I forgot his name. He's on this, uh, one podcast, uh, Camille Foster, I think his name is. And he really, and he is a quote unquote black man, but I think he's, he actually doesn't like being called black. No, no, he doesn't like being called African-American because he's like Jamaican or something. It's all thing, but like there's a Jamaican, uh, I don't know. That's a whole nother story there, but uh, apparently Jamaicans don't like being called Uh, (laughs) African-Americans. Go figure. I don't know. Um, But he, he kind of lays out a lot of these facts that can be, I'm not going to get into them, but that can almost destroy an argument. And I kind of, you know, obviously you can't look at Camille and be like, well, you're just racist. And he's like, well, how can I be racist? Like, I look like you. I like, I, I'm just strictly laying out facts for you. And if those things aren't, you know, yeah, I think we've, we've gotten so bad at almost, I got to win this argument instead of, huh, I never thought about it like that. If it was anything like that, like I'm okay with, and I'm, I'm even okay with being like, yeah, I don't really know about that. You know, whatever happened to that? I don't know much about that. Yeah. I think <laughs> the world would be a much better place if, if more people adopted, I don't know, into the, their vocabulary. Uh, or yeah, let me, I don't know that right now, but let me, you know, check on that and I'll get back to you. Uh, but I think we have to be a lot more comfortable saying, I don't know. And, uh, and that sounds really weird to say, but I think it's, I think it is important. Well, I mean, there's, we're not cyborgs. We can't know everything. Like some people can bring up a fact that I've literally never even heard of. Like you can talk about redlining and I've heard a little bit of about it, you know, about, you know, back in the day in the 1950s, they used to redline and keep uh, black uh, homeowners from 
from buying homes in a certain area. That's all I know from it. I really don't know anything else from that. And some other person brought up a, a, an opposing fact and someone didn't like that. And something that was then construed as, oh, you're just racist. And I go, whoa, hold on. I don't know how we got to that fact. Um, it just, someone just disagrees with you and maybe we can talk it out and figure out, okay, where, where is it currently? Cause we might even end up at the end of the day. Oh yeah. We don't agree with this at all. And that's fine. I, it's almost like, can we not leave it at, I don't know. We just probably don't agree with it, but I do respect you. And that's where most things don't go <laughs> is, yeah. yeah, I don't really, resp- I don't, I don't really respect you at all. Like, oh, yeah, great. I guess we'll keep talking. So uh, I, well, I, I wish you all the luck on that. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've found is that people, like facts actually don't win arguments. And you can spout facts until you're blue in the face. And, you know, 21-year-old Mark is rolling his eyes so hard at me right now. Uh, but feelings play such a big role. And, and it's, you know, how someone feels about a matter is going to inform their, their perspective so much more than even the facts. And, uh, and so I don't know. I don't know if you're comfortable with me asking you any questions. But uh, That was like anti-Ben Shapiro right there, which I don't care. Oh, the facts don't care about your feelings type thing? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah where, where you're the what opposite. You, you think, well, you know. I understand facts, but people still do feel bad about it, which I can understand. Like that's, there's, you can't go, sorry, you're stupid. And the facts are against you. Well, I still feel the way I feel. Like I, I can understand that. Like I never really understood yeah. when Shapiro said that. So. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, part of me also agrees with him at the same time. Like at some point when you have to like make a decision, like what are the, the current facts that you have available to you? And then you make the best decision based on how you process those facts. But, you know, like if uh, back to a, a couple, a married couple who might be fighting, you know, maybe he continually leaves his wet towel on the floor when he gets out of the shower and that leads to a fight. Like the facts are the same in that scenario, but the feelings around it are different. You know, maybe his wife doesn't appreciate the fact that he leaves his towel on the ground and it's just not that important to him. Like that, that's also a fact. Like it's, it's, a different kind of fact, but the truth is that he just doesn't care much about the towel. She cares a great deal about the towel, and that leads to the conflict. And so, you know, the, the fact remains the unadulterated truth of the matter is that the towel is still on the ground. Whose feelings about it matter more? Hmm. And then, well, again, what, that's that's so much not so much a that is a feeling. That's not. I mean, we can go on the facts of not having a wet towel on the floor because uh, if it's on the carpet, then we're going to eventually have, you know, uh, have mold on the floor. So maybe we don't have the towel. But if we just have feelings, it should be just, uh, you know, I, that's fucking annoying that you uh, keep the towel on the floor. But is this something, I, the hill that I want to die on? I'm not sure yet. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking yeah. philosophy. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. So. I don't know. Did you said you have questions for me? What? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. What is your What is your biggest grief, or or what is your biggest your biggest fear about the kind of a current environment that we're in? You know, obviously you have a podcast. You you want to talk to people. You want to learn a variety of things about a variety of people. Uh, what is it that you're 
you're kind of seeking uh, in all in your pursuits. Well, I want to have the um, I want to have the freedom to have a good time with my friend. Like if you've listened to this podcast, um, I like having a good time with my friend Jacob, who's mm-hmm. who's my official unofficial ho- uh, co-host on this. But he's he's the most flaky person ever, so he can't be my co-host. But I I enjoy having these conversations with him. And do we always agree? No. Do we always have fun? Yes. And then there's these type of things where I want to have these thought-provoking you know segments where we kind of go, oh, I never did you ever think about that? And I hope people listen to this. And I know a lot of people probably won't like me, and that's been probably the biggest hurdle through all this is almost putting yourself out there to be like, there's a lot of people that are going to hate you and they're probably really going to like, they're not going to like you at all. And you've kind of just got to be okay with it. Like I did a, a very, uh, high, not high profile, high profile for like DFW. I did a, a high profile interview with Grego and thousands of people actually listened to this and, they all loved Grego. And I was I was so proud of that episode. And um but then I would dig deeper and I go, let me read you know, I heard people say that was a great interview, that great and then you hear the more that that interview guy, God, he sucked. What the hell's wrong with him? And those type of things will kind of it it never really hurt me because I was like, Yeah, you know, I I can still go out, you know, if I've already beat you to the punch. Like I know I'm awful at this. So it doesn't really matter what you think you're not doing it. And Grego would never do a podcast. You know, ah, so, but, <laughs> but, yeah, but fair. what, yeah, I mean, what I want to do is have fun conversations with people. I find that are interesting and, and conversations that, um, can get some type of new thought out or, um, flush out, um, conversations that maybe a lot of people aren't having at least not out in a well i mean i think a lot of it was like inspired by conversations i would have a will conversations i would have a jacob and i would just sit there and go how is this never how is none of this being recorded in the earth and no one will hear any of this so and i think we're all making really great points and no one is talking about <laughs> So, and, and this is really just a lo- like a passion project of mine and going, uh, I probably won't make one dime from this and that, and I'm okay with that. And, but I know I did what I wanted to do and no one was swaying me one way or another going, Hey, I think you should do a podcast like this. Hey, I think you should do one. Like-. I'll go, no, nope, this is the podcast that I want to do. And is there like what is this? Is this an interview podcast? Is this you know two two guys just hanging out? I don't know. It's whatever I want it to be. And why why did you have Mark Bauer on? Because I like Mark Bauer and I want to have him on. And and I don't think we I think we agree on a lot of things and I think we disagree on a lot of things and that's okay. It's we can still have respect for each other and have these fun little conversations. That's all it is. And fun rant. What? Yeah, no, but I mean, I think you revealed a lot of truth, though, in that. I think that, you know, so many people are like, when we're young, there's a fearlessness that we have because we're trying to learn as much as we can about the world. And then once we reach a point, whether it's post high school or post college, and then we start to maybe, you know, start some families, 
we kind of lose that fearlessness and we become very fearful. We could become very fearful about trying new things, uh, whether it's experiential, you know, uh, or traveling. Uh, we've become very fearful around just acknowledging other ideas and even being willing to engage with them because those in some way become threatening to our worldview, which becomes threatening to maybe our livelihood or our sense of identity. And so, you know, people who were harping on your interview, they can take a hike because they're not doing it, but, but you're doing a very brave thing by going out and doing it. And, uh, and they can criticize you all they want, or they can be uh, armchair quarterbacks. But the, the truth of the matter is, I think that there's something great about your experiment, whatever this is, whatever it turns out to be, whether it's just an outlet for your enjoyment or, uh, you know, whether there's a kernel of uh, a nugget of a truth that someone hears something from a different perspective that they hadn't considered that way before. And so I think that that's admirable. I think that's all I can ask for. I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking to break the world with this. It's more or less, Hey, I'm going to put this out there. If a few people listen to it and nod their head and, or they mow their lawn and it's something they can get done with, you know, get through a task while listening to this, then we're, we're fine. And I'm okay with that. And that's something I can live with. But it's, you know, it's never something that I want to do and um, I never want it to be like, uh, I've now stopped in like, I wanted to, I wanted to put a podcast out every week. And now I've mm-hmm. almost stopped that and been like, you know what, I'm not putting out a podcast until I feel like I've got either a good something I want to talk about, a good guest, or yeah, it's just something that I want good to come out i want to try at least get one like every other week as is my plan if i have one every week then that's fine but i don't want to just put something out and go well that was just horrible i don't know why i put that out and i don't know who would want to listen to this i don't even want to listen to this so it's so much where i want to just yeah i want to put something good out there and thought-provoking i definitely don't want to do like a I have no need or not no need, but no uh, confidence in doing anything that you were doing as far as a racial podcast. I think that is just very, you you say brave. I think you're, what you're doing is very brave and I don't know. And I I could probably listen to it and uh, nod along and and then I'd probably sit there and go, I don't know what the hell y'all are talking about, Uh, you know, like, or disagree with it. And, but that's fine. At least you're, at least you put something in my head and go, I don't, something, you know, what I originally thought is not what I, you know, I don't agree with that at all. What's going on here? Like something at least is put in your head. And, but, the, and you might come out of it going, I still don't agree with that. I might even look something up or I might have a, have a different feeling, but at least that it got put in someone's head and you go, huh, just think about it. And that's all that we can ask for. Yeah, that's how many, many great things started was just from like, man, what what do you think about this? And then some crazy mofo ran, ran with it. And so, you know, you played baseball growing up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I thought so. I thought, I remember you as a a baseball player in high school. And Mark was a soccer kid. Oh, yeah. We used to beat the, we used to beat the soccer kids up back in the day. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I do remember that. I, I somehow avoided those stuff. God, I was about to say. I felt so bad for y'all sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, they, it probably made them a little stronger. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. But I never partook. Uh, I liked y'all guys. Yeah. But, uh, so, you know, you didn't start playing baseball by like, you know, five-year-old, uh, Brad, your dad didn't get you on a, a regimented schedule. It probably started with, you know, seeing baseball on TV and maybe going in the front yard and playing catch. Uh, and then things grew and developed. And so, you know, who knows, maybe the podcast in this form, maybe it doesn't go anywhere or maybe it does, maybe it evolves, maybe it becomes the next biggest thing in the history of the world, but whatever it is at this moment, it's bringing you joy and you're, you're honoring that by, by just doing it, by doing the thing that you want to do. You know, and I, yeah, I yeah. I'm sorry. That. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that, that was kind of it. Okay. Kind of no, it. I was just, I was just saying where you had that feeling and I don't know if anybody cares that I'm pontificating on this, but I'm going to say it anyways. You know, I have a day job and there are times where, yeah, you feel that little accomplishment or what have you. But when I got done with that Grego interview, when I got done with a couple of those shows that we did and I sat there and it was almost like I had just let's talk about baseball. Like I had just maybe not hit a home run or I just struck someone out or something like that. Or we just won a ball game. Like I felt that good. So then I knew I go, okay, this is not a bad thing. Like this isn't a bad feeling to have. And I don't care what anyone says. Like this is still great. Like if I'm feeling this and I'm feeling some type of joy, then I do it. If I like, if I'm doing this and it started feeling like, Oh, this is my job. I got to interview this person. And I don't even really want to interview him, but you know, I've got to do it. And that will probably be the end of it. Like that's never where I want to be at. I want to be continually doing something that I enjoy doing. Cause I might not enjoy every time whenever I want to go to work or what have you, but at least for this few moments that I have doing the, doing these podcasts, at least I can have joy in doing this. And it may not, again, may not pay half anything. It may, it, it may not draw me one bit of dime, but it's at least there is some joy where I can, I can, I can say I interviewed Grego. I can say I interviewed, uh, you know, Sam Gannon, or I can say I had a great time talking to my friend Jacob, who's my best friend, and I enjoy having him on here. And I can always have that to go listen back on the time that I had with him. I, uh, the time that I had with Mark Bauer, what a great conversation we had. So, I don't know. That's what I think about that. Nothing wrong with that. No, no. The world would be a, a better place, I think, if, uh, if people did more of that, if they were quiet enough to hear, you know, like to listen and say, like, man, what is it that I want to do? Like, regardless of what it's going to bring me, like, you know, uh, in monetary value or accolades, like, just what is the thing you want to do? Maybe it's. Maybe start a podcast, and uh, or maybe it's just go to a batting cage. Like who knows? Joining a, a softball rec team. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think I think we're finding that out. It's not so much, you know. I think we always grew up, and we were always thinking that we've got to get out of high school, we got to get good grades, and we then we got to go to college, and then we're gonna graduate with honors, and we're gonna get a good job, and. And then eventually, after doing all this stuff and getting promoted, you know, I'll finally be happy. But that's not necessarily ever true. Like, 
none of that stuff will ever bring you any type of joy, truly. Like, you have to be able to bring that upon yourself. Is okay, maybe going to college really isn't going to anything going to bring you joy. I think you got to pick your own path. Maybe you go, you know, I want to go travel the world. Maybe I want to, you know, work on an oil rig for a couple of years. I mean, there's just a matter. It's just, you've got to find something out there that's going to bring you some type of joy. And if it brings you money, that's fine. But, you know, that's kind of the, the funny thing that I see in like, in some of these movies I've been watching the last few weeks or months or with all this. And, um, I think there's this Westworld, um, I don't know if you've seen that show, right? You know, you know what I'm talking uh, about? I saw the first season, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's this part where, you know, it almost seems like money rules all. And, you know, I'm a full-on capitalist. I think, you know, make as much money as possible. But I've never been like, you know what? If you make a lot of money, you're going to be super fucking happy. And that's never, ever been true. And there'd be, I think there was, they use this app and, you know, they do like jobs and stuff like that. And then their app can suddenly send them and say, Hey, I'll give you this much money to kill your partner. And then the other partner gets in and I'll kill him. Okay. Well, I'll just kill him because I need money because I love money. It's like, it's like some fantasy, you know, it's not a fantasy, but it's like a horror movie of, of full on capitalism. It's never capitalism should never truly be like try to make as much money as you want it's you know what if you want to make as much money as you want and that brings you joy like i bet jeff bezos probably experiences joy in what he does okay but for some other people doing what he does probably would drive them nuts and make them feel horrible and then there's people that are minimalist who make $22,000 a year but live off the land and they feel great and that brings them joy. Why can't we ever just do that? Like that's what true quote unquote capitalism is, is either you can be as poor as you want or as rich as you want. Whatever truly makes you happy, you should do it. But don't do it in a sense of, I just need money because I need, I need money. It's like, that's never, that never felt like, it always felt like that's what we're, like, I'm not working so I can just, you know, I've got to go get a job because that's what I got to do. I got to work. Well, I'm, I'm working to, to work towards something. I'm working to never work again is really what people probably should be doing. Like work and make as much money as you can, if you can, or make enough money to where you go, oh, yeah, you know, I don't have to work anymore because I can go, you know, buy a farm and then I'd live off that and I'll be good good to go. I'm, I found joy there. So, I don't know. I feel like I'm ranting a lot, Mark. No, no, that's all good. I, you're, you're bringing up things that I, I mean, I, I completely agree with. I think most, a lot of our problems in society are brought up from people putting misplacing their identity for one. And that kind of also looks like chasing things. And so if you misplace your identity and, you know, just, just making money and that's what it's all about or getting academic accolades or 
uh, getting as much power as you can or fame as you can, or maybe it's alcohol or maybe it's women. Or uh, I think most of our problems in life stem from chasing and, and we don't, we haven't been taught. I, I think our generation, one of the reasons we're so grieved and I think you see the alt-right and I think you also see, you know, the, the left, uh, extreme left, you know, you might call them burning bros acting out is because it's kind of, we've been sold a bill of goods. Oh, we've been told yeah. if you go to college, you'll be happy. You'll make more than your parents. And if you just, you know, hit these mile markers, your, your lap's going to be, you're going to coast. And I think that we're finding that, you know, if you were super religious growing up, you're like, well, that's, you know, you can misplace your identity even in your religion. And so I think uh, just teaching, teaching your generation to, take the first step that's right in front of you and stop chasing because uh, that's where you're going to end up in, in some big doo-doo. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I've actually said this before. That's where there is that little pipeline. And I don't um, I don't believe in the redeemable or irredeemable people, like, either way. Like, if you really like Trump or if you really like Bernie, I might completely disagree with you, but I don't find that you're an irredeemable person. I feel like, uh, I feel like more or less like, uh, you've been thrown into a vat like the Joker. Like there's a reason why you become something and it's not necessarily just because you are now deemed an evil person. There's type of things that have happened in your life that have brought you to the way that you are. Like I've never ever watched any type of, um, you could even go back to like Manson or, or any type of murderer. There's a level of abuse that has gone in throughout their lives that has made them the person that they are. No one really, I, I mean, I guess we could probably research that, but majority of people that have done evil, horrible things, there's something that has precipitated, you know, you know, happened before that. And, has made has turned them into who they are and i see that's what's happened with some of these um say millennial to zoomers or whatever you want to call them where they're getting out of college and they're looking at their prospects and they're going uh what the hell is going on here i was told that if i did everything right and i went to college I was going to make all this money and now I'm looking and the best thing I can do is I can become a manager of a footlocker and, and that's not going to work. Uh, I don't want to do that at all. And the money that I'm making here, uh, I, I was told that I can go buy a house and, you know, have the prospect of doing that, have a family. I don't have prospects to do any of that. I don't have enough money to have a wife, a kid, a house, a car of any type. Uh, yeah, this is effed up system. And if I go into blowing it up, like, um, well, I think both of them kind of want to blow it up, like the entire system. (laughs) So, but it just depends on where you want to blow it up at. So, yeah, I mean, that's the way we should probably look at it going, yeah, they're not irredeemable. It's just, they've been brought into a situation and they don't know how to get out of it. And it's kind of, a fight or flight type thing and they're fighting like crazy because they yeah. don't know how to get out of it. And that's, what's going to happen a lot yeah. with what's going on now. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. I think we, 
you know, you asked me earlier what my philosophy is. I would say right now, and this might have changed, but right now my whole purpose is to call bullshit on the bullshit because there's so much of it. And people are so aggrieved. And right now our leaders want to leverage people's grievances to their advantage, to their political gain or to their their gain, whether it's power, achieving power or, or uh, you know, sending, uh, you know, ranks in government. Uh, they want to make you as angry as possible because that's going to guarantee that they're going to be more likely to be reelected. And, and so that's what I want to do, whether it's in the conversation on race or politics or religion. It's just called bullshit to the people who want to leverage your grievance uh, because they want yeah. you. I don't, I don't even know that they want you to blow it up, but I don't know that they realize that that's kind of the ends that they're going to get if they keep stirring stirring the pot well i think they have been conditioned into a an outline of if you don't get them angry enough there's no reason for them to ever so that's where i've i've always i've heard this stuff about like absentee uh like uh voting through the mail type thing Mm -hmm. and i'm not a big fan of it because i feel like there's um and we can I'm not really going to get into voting or any type sort but I'm talking about uh like getting up off your couch you got to get in a car you got to go you know walk down the street or go get on a bus and you got to go into a building and you got to fill out some paperwork blah 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 and then you got to go into a booth and you got to vote for someone all those steps they don't seem that big but for you to get up off of your ass and go vote for someone, you can't get up and, you know, you know, go, Hey, uh, I just want everybody to be docile and, and everybody just kind of even kill. Is that cool? And come vote for me. And they're just like, eh, yeah, whatever, you know, like none of that gets vote for none, none of that. They go, yeah, I re- kind of really agree with that guy. I have no desire to ever get up off the couch to do anything about that. Because it doesn't sound exciting at all, but I agree with that. But I'm not going to get up. So what people do is they they harp on those fears, um, fears of the you know the evil on the other side, and that's just causing more and more disconnect. And where I again, like I said, I don't want to have these conversations sometimes because I don't want to have these disconnects. But it's already there, and I don't want to. I don't want to piss people off i really don't i i think i I've, I've always come off that i want to be con- controversial i just want to say how it is not really i really don't but there's some things where i go i've, I've just got to say this i've got no i got nothing else to do but i've, I've just got to say that but there's a lot of times i'm like i don't want to there's no win for me to to voice my opinion on certain on some of these things there's, there's nothing I can benefit from it. And I don't see a benefit in any way, like nothing. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it is, is they've, they've, if you have a docile voting, like I've almost, I hate to say it, but it sh- the perfect system has been like, yeah, no one really votes, you know, cause it's either that guy really doesn't have much power and he can't really do anything and anything you know you try to vote for your guy because he'll he you kind of believe in what he does but all those other people they can't really do anything anyway so it doesn't really matter 
that's what it probably should be like. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I I don't know. I well, just. I mean, you're right. Like to pedal something that's invisible, you know, you have to look at a marketer and, and what is it that they do? You know, what is it that makes you want to buy Nike? Uh, you know, they're trying to stir up an emotion in you. There's all kinds of psychological tools that they at their disposal. And then likewise for uh, a politician, you're so far removed from uh, the representation. Like it's the Democratic Party. Uh, it's the Republican Party conventions who are coming up with the the platform. So what is it? What is the difference if I'm a Republican in, in Tarrant County? Uh, versus, you know, a Republican in a, a more rural area, uh, like that is so far removed from my actual representation. I have to buy into what you're selling, and it's less, and I think it really should be reversed. But that's, again, it's hard to do. That's hard to, as a political representative, say, hey, I can only do so much for you, uh, and it's not so much a winning strategy. And, uh, and so I think that we're seeing... You know, it's just going to elevate and it's going to escalate. Uh, and I don't know how much more the system can tolerate. I don't know how much more individual people can tolerate uh, with the like the the absentee voting. I think you're right. I think you know if during a pandemic that's different. If you're afraid of you know contracting a virus that could kill you, then you know maybe allow it in this situation. But overall, I agree. This isn't American Idol where you, you're calling in and you're dialing, you know, Ryan Seacrest to, to plug in your vote for the, the person you like the most. Uh, this does require an, uh, some of those barriers that you spoke about. And, and I think that if you are so incensed that you are compelled to go put on your shoes and drive to the voting ballot to do that, uh, you're going to probably be a little bit more educated of a voter. And I think that that will probably work out better overall yeah i mean I, I i didn't really want to get in it but i was also like uh i hate to even like like i don't say i i steer more right but i heard you know like oh they want to do absentee voting it's it's just prone to to voter fraud and i'm not really sure that's even true and that might be true mm-hmm. i guess you i don't know exactly how you look in an envelope and go i bet this came from a democrat or I bet this came from a Republican. Throw that in the trash. I don't know how that exactly would work, but um, yeah, I hope there would be a better system than because I we yeah we can't do it like American Idol. Like I think I don't want everybody voting. I really don't. There's no way I would ever want everyone voting. And that might sound weird to some people, but like no, I mean some people are just not engaged, and I'm finally like. Just, uh, I hate to say it, they're just the NPC. Just let them go on about their day, <laughs> you know. But, and if you don't like, if you have no idea what you're voting for, why on earth would you ever motiv- be like supportive of, yeah, just go out there and vote? Like, who cares what the hell you vote for? Like, that's not a great winning, I'm not a winning strategy, but that's not a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably not. No, that's a horrible idea. I think wherever, I think, yeah, I think Obama said that. Like, he was wanting, like, 100% voting. And I go, I think that's a bad idea. I think they had 100% voting in, like, uh, Germany and, and Iraq. And uh, <laughs> we saw what happened in those areas. Like, eh, yeah, and then, then they, I don't know. It's it's 
this doesn't seem like the greatest idea. And I also think that, that they want to like lower the age of voting. And I go, that's eh, not, that's not going to work. I should probably raise yeah. it. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I should probably raise it a little bit. So. All right, Mark. I feel like I'm I'm running out of steam because I didn't. I really didn't sleep well over last night because my power went oh, out. So man. yeah, it was it was for some reason. If I don't have a fan going, I can't go to sleep. So or I mean, I, I couldn't go to sleep. Way. But it's pretty. I know I slept a lot more than my wife. My wife probably slept twenty minutes at a time. So. It's pretty oh bad. my gosh. Yeah. Well, Mark, I really appreciate uh, you coming on to this stupid, dumb podcast, but. You're a good friend of mine, so I'm glad that you you saw something worth in in coming onto this. But uh, uh, Mark Bauer is on. He's on the Twitters, right? What are you on? I'm on the Twitters. I'm on Twitter, uh, Instagram. I'm on the face. I'm I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere you want to be. All right, at Mark Bauer, and then listen to his podcast. You just have the one podcast, right? Just the one podcast right now. We'll probably be putting out more recordings with the campaign, but those will be more politically oriented. But yeah, just just the one podcast for now. All right. And it's behind, behind the scene. Behind S-E-E-N. the scene. S e e n. S e e. Oh god. Yes, behind the scene, like scene. I've seen you. So all yep, right, yep. and with uh, with your co-host Brandon. I hope, well, I'm gonna. I, I'm sorry, I have not actually. I I heard a clip from your from your show. Uh, yeah. which uh, was quite controversial. I can't believe you're even getting into that. Um, <laughs> that the most, con- I'm not even mentioning it because I don't want to touch it, but the most controversial thing going on right now and uh, more power to you. You're very brave. So yeah. I, you called me brave earlier and I go, <laughs> I'm not as brave as you. So <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll uh, we'll have you back on sometime and talk some more. Yeah, man. We'll do it. We'll do it. All right, man. Appreciate, Appreciate you having me on. Have a great night. Right, have a good night. All the same that brought crosses. Some of those that work forces. All the same that brought crosses. Some of those that work forces. All the same that brought crosses. Do what they told you. Now you do what they told you. Now you do what they told you. Now you do what they told you.
Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me Fuck you, I won't do